0: With the chip inside, fucking link it digitized out which prior to this was higher than science could ever devise. Nice. This is a neural interface, we're gonna stick it in your face, tell it in your brain interlace There's an arms war on, and we're gonna win the race.
1: Leave everything in the race, bring the base.
2: Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Now, this is a special edition of DMB tonight. Sharing a recording of a talk at the previous DEF CON Biohacking Village. And we're sharing this as a recap of great information that was presented and as a reminder that the same team behind DCBHV will be putting together another edition of DEF CON Biohacking Village here in just a couple of weeks, August 9th through 12th, 2018, in Las Vegas, Nevada, at Caesar's Palace and at the Flamingo this year. For more information please go to village. io, and for more information about Defcon itself go to defcon.org. We look forward to seeing you there and the great and the great talks and panels and the expo floor. But before we share this great clips with you we want to thank our sponsor Dangerous Things who delivers custom gadgetry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. Now, if your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach out to us or email at info at and we'll be glad to talk to you about it.
1: All right, uh, DEF CON, welcome. This is awesome. Can everyone just like get the get the energy in the room going? Uh, we're going to get started with our spiel, but before we begin, you know, this title slide shows that we have a third panel member, replicant. Uh, he's a pediatrician. So he's a pretty cool guy. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. So uh, just ignore that little. I'm sorry? Yes. Yes. He is among us all now, shared in the network. Well, Ghosts in the Wire. Okay, so um, we'll go ahead and just get started. Um, welcome, everyone. Um, Peter, go ahead and take it away. All right. Good afternoon.
0: Uh, Welcome everyone. Uh, This is going to be an awesome day at DEFCON 23 and we're really happy to be a part of the inaugural Biohacking Village. We're excited to see this added and uh, we want to see
1: it continue to evolve in the future years. All right. So before we uh, dive into it, uh, my name is Kwadi. Christian Demeth is my real name. Um, I'm an emergency medicine doctor uh, early in my career, early in my training. I'm Peter Heffley. I'm a security professional. And as Wadi
0: mentioned, our colleague, Jeff, or replicant Tully, a pediatrician, couldn't be here with us today due to a family emergency.
1: All right, so every time we speak here at DEF CON, we have to always repeat, like, why the hell are these people up here talking about their doctors? Why aren't they out, like, doing stuff other than this? Well, it's because we're really hackers. We've been coming for years. Um, uh, This is my 10th. Peter's been going for nearly 10 years, I think. Um, And really, what it boils down to is that we're hackers at heart and you can apply the ethics and ethos of the hacker spirit to any field. Which is why it's particularly exciting that DEF CON has allowed the biohacking village to kind of come form here naturally because it's kind of, in my opinion, the next frontier. Again, yeah, it's always a pleasure
0: to be uh, invited to speak here and we're so thankful we could be a part of this new initiative. And today we want to talk a little bit about implantable devices and some of the work going on right now in the grinder sphere. Um, and once we give a quick overview, we'll lay out our main argument that DIY, DIYers or biohackers and grinders like you guys today uh, will play the biggest role in helping human augmentation hit critical mass.
1: I think you're up next uh, to
0: Now obviously with a 25 minute talk slot we can't be all encompassing or, or comprehensive about any of the topics we're going to hit on. So it goes without saying, we'd love to further discuss these issues with anyone who's interested and we'll make our contact information available at the end.
1: All right, so um, we have to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Peter, myself, um, we're not endorsing, officially encouraging the implantation or the applications of any of the technologies we're going to talk about today. We, we just simply can't because of uh, the potential liability. Which is a really sad thing and an unfortunate thing. But what we can say is that we can talk to you guys about this today. And if you have any general medical questions, you should probably go ask your doctor. Like if you have a rash, you know, get some penicillin or something, especially if it's around your junk. <laughs> and it started this week. <laughs> um, all, right, all right, so
0: so in looking at the biohacking landscape today, we really see two groups
1: concurrently pursuing the goal of
0: modifying and improving human
1: systems. Keeping that in that kind of landscape motif, we started thinking about it as kind of like islands, where work towards a common goal is is being done on both islands, but there's very little information swimming between them. Uh, We like to think of the first as a combination of like academia and well well funded organizations and companies, and then the second island being really the do it yourself. Um, Well, everyone has their favorite example of what a Google or MIT type of institution is cooking up insofar as implantable devices. And we could definitely do an entire seminar just on those type of cutting edge technologies that are being developed in huge labs. Um, It's really beyond the scope of this talk. So what we really want to focus on is the first, uh, the second island that we're talking about, really the grinders. And for those here who are
0: wondering what we're talking about, a grinder is an endearing term for the foot soldiers of the augmentation movement, biohackers who are in the garages, in the basements, in the makeshift labs, cooking up mods, experimenting on themselves, and pushing the tech forward through sheer willpower. Um, here on this island without the restrictions of institutional review boards, government oversight or extensive testing, uh, this is where we think that this culture of exploration is uh, awesome. It's going to be one in which folks will explore how they can better themselves and uh, further this technology quite a bit.
1: All right. So again, we're focusing on this island because we truly feel like grinders are going to be the ones leading the way in the future of biohacking. Uh, While there are definite risks to say using a scalpel with one hand to implant a magnet in your other hand simultaneously while live streaming it. What well, we can say <laughs> well, Has we can anybody say. done that here? I'm really excited. Anyone? No. no. A lot of dexterity. A lot of dexterity. Twitch? No. no. Ooh, that'd be good. That would be good. Um, the reason we want to focus on this is because these are the people that are going to be able to push it, push the boundaries in much quicker succession. Their development cycles are going to be much more rapid and they have just so much um, less restricting them that they're going to do it because they can. And that's where we're going to see a lot of this revolution.
0: So let's talk about some of the projects we've seen from grinders. Maybe some in this room have used mods
1: like this or know someone who has. All right. So we're going to talk about magnets. Um, magnets are one of the most widely implantable mods out there. They're um, because they really extend and encompass a few different types of circles. All right, So like the body modification, the do-it-yourself surgery, the kind of grinder movement. They all have a stake in, in the idea of planting magnets inside their body.
0: And the compositions of these ma- these magnets are typically neodymium or rare earth metals with various coatings designed to limit foreign body tissue rejection. And the coatings of these magnets are the most important part. They include silicon, gold, and even t- titanium. And this demonstrates the principle of bioinert or biocompatible materials. Simply put, our immune systems are, are fascinating complex systems designed to prevent the billions of possible like dangerous viruses, bacteria and toxins and allergens uh, from impacting us in our environment.
1: All right. So let's say theoretically you're really unlucky and you plant an uncoated mod, uh, a magnet or just a piece of metal in your body say composed of copper or iron right? and you haven't been applying the principle of bioinert materials to surround it. Your immune system will then likely mount an immune response, right? It'll get red. It'll get swollen. It'll get puffy. It'd be very painful. These are the types of things that are natural. Our body wants to um, resist foreign bodies in our body, foreign bodies in our body. So that is generally a bad thing. What'll happen is uh, eventually the body will encase it in a scar type t- scar-like tissue, a fibrous tissue, and that can impact the functionality of your mod, or essentially um, just make it really painful experience. Plus, you know, we're going to talk about infection too, which is a huge risk to this.
0: And these magnets are typically implanted in the fingers, in the subdermal or muscular layers below the skin. There have been demonstrated implants in the hand, specifically between the thumb and the forefinger.
1: All right. So, one of the big things we want to talk about are is uh, anesthesia. Um, so, before these things typically get implanted. Oh, yeah. By the way, there are a couple, like just one or two, surgical slides in our presentation. Uh, if right. you get kind of squeamish, uh, you know, close your eyes. Go find another talk real quick. They're just really brief. It's nothing super graphic, but if that you know freaks you out. Um, So typically during these implantation procedures, a skin anesthetic will be applied. Alcohol, betadine, something you can find really over the counter at any type of CVS or Walgreens pharmacy. This is really intended to minimize the risk of infection. But with even good sterile. Technique, you still have a risk for infection, okay? And then often uh, some type of calcium, or sorry, sodium channel blocker, uh, a local anesthetic is applied, all right? So typically we see lidocaine, bupivacaine, which lasts a little bit longer. Those are types of things that people are injecting to prepare the site, to make it as numb as possible before they put the implant in. Well, there are all sorts of, when well, I'm not, we're not gonna get into it, possible legality issues here uh, with using these medications, obtaining these medications, because for the most part, uh, they are. Only used by prescription and administered by cleared professionals.
0: And as Quaddy mentioned, those, the, the anesthesia aspect of it is something that will apply to all of the mods <laughs> we're about to talk about today. Uh, and obtaining total or near or complete paresthesia or numbness is obviously ideal during implantation and requires a working knowledge of anatomy to accomplish. Of the dozens of videos we reviewed online of uh, individuals you know live streaming and implanting things into themselves, uh, only a few of them employed proper technique. Specifically a few applied digital nerve blocks instead they just used uh, a bunch of lidocaine near the implant site or they just use ice. Uh, and uh, this is not ideal as it's not really guaranteed to complete uh, accomplish complete anesthesia at the injection site and local injection distorts the tissue where the implant will be placed. So you're essentially just like pounding 10 pounds of potato into like a 5 pound sack. Not a good thing.
1: All right, so um, so an incision is often made. You know, there doesn't really seem to be a rationale in a lot of the videos we reviewed about what site they pick or uh, how far they actually implant. And I think this has to go into kind of the do-it-yourself nature of it, right? So you do a couple of these, and uh, you feel comfortable advertising to other people that you, that we should implant. Like you should let me put this inside of you. And then uh, if anyone has a complication, like it's something that's probably not talked about as much. But also, uh, although we review lots of the material, a lot of these people uh, implanting these things, rarely will we see a complication advertised or talked about in some type of forum. So at this point, we don't know what the incidence is for complication when you go to like your local piercer or body modification expert and they do this. We just don't know. So it's, I don't think it go, go either way. Either they have a great track record or they have a really poor track record and everyone's getting infected. They're just not talking about it. We just don't know. Uh, so an incision is made with a cutting surface such as a scalpel. I've seen other objects such, to, such as exacto knives. Please don't do that. Let's listen. So, infection is your enemy, and even in surgical OR suites where sterility is a religion that everyone practices without question, uh, you need to minimize as much as possible the risk of infection. So use uh, again, we're not encouraging this, but if you were to do something like this, just don't use a rusty exacto knife from your kitchen drawer. Um, so often they're inserted blindly insofar as magnets, and then they're often sutured shut.
0: And several firsthand accounts with, uh, state that the effects of this modification take several days or even weeks to experience the the sensation, as the uh, the finger actually it will take some time
1: to heal, and then the swelling will decrease. Which brings us to the whole reason why people do this. All right. So this video is kind of long, so we're not going to play. We're not going to play the entire thing. Um, and the music isn't necessarily it's fun to listen to. Yeah, um, But you can see different various applications, right? So there's something kind of cool about putting a finger, like watching this video and like maybe you can play around with magnets or swipe people's credit cards um, with just the swipe of your finger, although probably not powerful enough to do that. Um, there's another thing that people talk about, which is the more exciting element of, of implanting a magnet in your body, is that you have a, a sixth sense um, sensation, right? So if you engage or get close proximity to an electromagnetic field. That magnet will engage. And that will activate your nerves and essentially you have the sense that you're feeling an electromagnetic field. Um, It's kind of a cool prospect, right? Like there's all these things, these sensory things around us that we just can't engage because we don't have the ability to to feel them. But they're there all around us at all times, kind of like Wi-Fi, right? So, but if you could feel that, like how would that work? This is actually my favorite part right here because this is where
0: it would come in really handy. I mean, all those screws when you take something (laughs) apart. (laughs) Like right here. This is what makes it worth it for me. Is when Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That amazeballs. It's perfect. All right. All right. Okay, so, go ahead. All right. Um, I I admit the feeling, uh, the thought of feeling those electromagnetic fields is enticing, but it really might be more hyperbole than life changing. And having a metal implant in your hand is not without risk, right? So, infection and possible permanent damage to your hand may make this decision. Something you don't want to do trivially. Also, say you theoretically work in a hospital and you're around an MRI machine all the time. Uh, it, generally, it's a bad idea to have something that's metal implanted in your body when you go buy a magnet that's the power of 1.5 Teslas every day. Oh, shit. Oh. no, oh. that's the best video here. Play it. Yes!
1: Ooh. Oh the sound—the sound, the sound oh, is what it was, does it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll play that at the end. Yeah. All right. Uh, very much bad news. Nice. <laughs> all right. The second mod we're going to talk about are RFID or NFC chips. Um, make sure you stick around after our talk and watch Alex Smith's talk about cloning uh, access cards to implantable RFID or NFC chips in your hand or other places. Uh, super cool talk. All right. Super cool talk. He um, also runs uh, run Cyberize.me, an online shop that sells many of the implants we're going to talk about today. Again, we don't own any stock. I've yep. actually never met the guy or gal. Yep. I don't know, uh, right. but check it
0: out. So, uh, talking about RFID, this mod is perhaps the most enticing for DEFCON attendees, as it involves the implantation of a small chip capable of countless applications. Everything that we talk about RFID is something that you could now do with wherever you're putting this this chip. Um, uh, the chips themselves are approximately one centimeter by several millimeters wide, and they're composed of a passive, unpowered RFID tag, which is commonly just a silicon microchip, a capacitor, and a, a copper antenna encased in a biocompatible glass case. Uh, these are the same tags that are implanted in your pets. And uh, when a radio frequency of a specific wavelength is in generally close proximity to the chip, it's activated and data is transmitted and to the environment, which can be picked up by a
1: reader. All right. So the implantation process is very similar to that of um, the uh, magnets that we talked about, except in one one key point. And again, stick around after this talk. I hear they're going to have a live implantation. Is that confirmed? Okay. So someone's going to live implant what I'm about to show you here. But these implants are pretty small, and the location in which you're uh, applying them is rather shallow. So this lends itself well to injection. So these things are actually put into a syringe with a large bore needle and injected underneath the skin.
0: So the, the applications of this are, are vast, right? Specifically demonstrated projects have included things like keyless lock access, secure storage authentication, password management. It's endless, right? Uh, a Kickstarter last year shipped an NFC tag that works with off the shelf for years and greatly expanded the potential applications. But here we've got a video of a gentleman who uses this implant as authentication to access his, his Bitcoin wallet. So he's got it, he swipes the phone, and it authenticates. I mean, that's something with you every day that you can use to prove that you are you.
1: You have to wear, wear, if you're like super paranoid, you have to wear some weird glove all the time, like Michael Jackson. Like an RFID shielding glove. I'm sorry? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you could expand like, (laughs) Um, okay, so, very excited stuff. The last thing we're going to talk about, of course, is probably the most controversial. Um, oh, I'm sorry. One last thing I should mention. A whole slew of RFID tags have been tested. Uh, they're reportedly compatible with MRI machines. Um, there may or may not be a little bit of regional distortion when you get an MRI. like The radiologist won't be able to read that particular region around it. Um, but other than that, they've apparently been fine. All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about is the, in the realm of mostly in telemetry, I would say, uh, but it had some other, other cool features as well. So let's talk about external monitors, right? So they're vital to medicine, they're vital to pharmacology, genetics, all of the enhancement movement in and of itself it needs to be able to take measurements of the human body and then do something about it, right? Well, most of the time, uh, and depending on what you're trying to measure, invasive monitoring is the most superior. So, for example, a core body temperature. Which is a a more accurate reflection of your actual body temperature is best obtained in the core. You can't really do that with um, a thermometer that's at the surface, right? So uh, maybe not so important with measuring core body temperatures, but some measurements of the human body, it's absolutely vital to get some type of invasive measurements. For example, as of now, if you want to get a blood glucose because you're diabetic, you have to get some blood, right? So it actually requires that you have some type of non. Uh, some type of invasive monitoring. Okay, so go ahead. All right, and, and the most
0: striking and controversial of grinder implants is Circadia. Um, Tim Cannon and the crew at Grindhouse Wetware envisioned an implantable mod which had the capabilities to measure biodata and transmit it real time for the purposes of health surveillance. Uh, and I think there's some temptation to downplay projects like this in the light of frequent or recent news stories in the popular media on brain machine interfaces or wireless glucometers. What's the point of putting magnets in your fingers if spinal implants are just around the corner? Well, unfortunately, they're not. And the, many of the island one moonshots that we've heard about recently will take years, if not decades, to come to fruition. And uh, the, to do so, they'll need millions in funding. And they'll have to go through uh, mountains of regulatory red tape and testing. But here we are, sitting in a village dedicated to biohacking, learning about defense mechanisms of the brain or how to clone
1: uh, access cards, RFID implants. Pretty cool stuff. So, again, this mod was implanted in Tim Cannon's left forearm underneath a pretty cool looking tattoo. It's pretty big. Um, and it is composed of, um, eventually, it transmitted sensor data Bluetooth over Bluetooth to like a tablet he had nearby. And it measured his pulse rate, his temperature. It also had a charging coil and had some subdermal LEDs that could light up and let, uh, theoretically let him know about like, hey, you got a new follower on Twitter. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, hey, what's up? It's cool, man. Or you got an email, or like a particular one if you got a sexy message. Um, Red light. Very controversial. We're not going to get into like, um, you know, designing this, implanting it, what exactly happened, and and whether or not why it's not in him anymore. Because um, that's really for another discussion. But what we really want to get across is like this is the concept of this is pretty damn cool, right? You put this in your body, it you can measure certain things. Perhaps not so important right now, like pulse rate or uh, temperature, which you can measure pretty reliably with external probes. But it's internal. It was designed in a basement, like literally someone's basement, right? And they did it without a giant company, right? And the FDA saying what's up, which you know arguably should have happened or should not have happened. All right, so um, grinders and do it yourself biohackers are working now. We would believe that grinder culture and the hacker mentality possesses will be the force that eventually drives human augmentation into the mainstream. That's really where it's going to be, right? People bootstrapping this movement from their basements. That's what it's going to take before people that don't even know about this stuff finally perk up and say, well, that's not the most, that's not the strangest thing I've heard all day, or damn, the internet's really weird. Like, but that's kind of okay. And we
0: think that the technology for implantable augmentation devices will behave fundamentally like other recent examples of paradigm shifting technology. Like personal computers or cell phones. Already beyond the infancy stages we believe that augmentation technology will hit a point in which it transitions from a niche pursuit of the, the greater biotech world into a true consumer industry. Uh, the point will signal uh, a critical mass at which the mass adoption of these technologies will be all but guaranteed. And uh, what we really want to talk about here is what factors will take us to that point and what role do grinders have in the creation of that critical mass.
1: All right. So based on literature studying and kind of the research we've had in discussions, we've come to focus on a couple of barriers to the critical mass point that we're talking about here. Although it may appear somewhat obvious the factors that we talk about, we think they're a pretty comprehensive analysis on what may be stopping this from everyone having one of these, one, everyone having one of these. Someday, um, so we face uh, we offer kind of a roadmap of the two islands going forward. We're going to spend a moment on each. Sorry, bud, you're up. All right. Uh, first, and perhaps most importantly,
0: cost—a term here which we'll use, will use to encompass mainly price in an economic sense so there is an incredible work being done in a variety of potentially life changing medical devices in dozens of labs across the world but the technology that they are developing will need an incredible amount of monetary, material and intellectual resources to develop. As in the early days of the computer, uh, there, there will be a time when the first generation brain machine interfaces or true prosthetic limbs will be only accessible to large industry or the economic elite. And in order to see the augmentations become widespread, we'll likely need to see the same type of disruptive garage innovation
1: that really made PCs ubiquitous. And today you can all you can find all the mods we're going to talk about on a variety of grinder websites uh, at pretty reasonable rates, right? So what we expect to see is that biohackers will continue to innovate not just on the functionality and the varying types of mods, but on ways to make them cheaper and with less starting resources. But functionality itself isn't going to be in, uh, like incredibly important
0: as well. So it's going to be something that is a major factor. And we've termed uh, another roadblock here, utility, to represent both the inherent capability a modification will provide, as well as uh, the types of situations in which it can be used. And some of the easiest DIY mods have admittedly have like a limited set of use case scenarios. But when we start to see mods that will expand beyond just the proof of concepts or provide passive information or beyond just passive information but start to really alter physiology, we suspect that we'll see the otherwise uh, uninterested general populace uh, start to get very interested in all of this technology. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, it's important to note that you probably don't want to jump right into spinal implants from nothing. Right, uh, incremental steps some of which you've already seen from the general body modification movement will be important in uh, you know acclimating people to the very concept of implanting these things this foreign hardware into their bodies and so one of the other roadblocks we believe grinders will help to overcome is just stigma general stigma and in the same way that piercings and tattoos have become an accepted fabric of society those advocating for and utilizing augmentations will need to be ambassadors for the technology in a responsible way that encourages curiosity and
1: acceptance. All right, so separate from the social stigma, however, comes like the very real risk to life and limb. right? So whenever you talk about modifying the human body, we're ultimately treating ourselves like any other system. But it's okay to a point, but we're talking about a system which is arguably far more complex than any system hackers have messed with before. So we don't simply fully we simply don't fully understand the system, and the and the potential complications or impacts of us screwing around with this system may be may be vast and extremely dangerous. So along with the wonderful new enhancements and augmentation that we may develop, we may also potentially create new types of pathology, new diseases that have never even existed before. Think about this. This is pretty profound. Medicine or you know, humanity has been fighting various diseases, right? Cancer, COPD, asthma, right? Chronic diseases for millions of years, right? At one point, are we going to invent new diseases that never existed before? These are things that are very difficult to even anticipate because we don't fully understand the system that we're messing with. And how unfortunate would it be that in our quest to make ourselves better or maybe just different, depending on how you look at it, we create new diseases. That's something that is probably a scary prospect. Maybe not something that's limited, but at least something to think about. And that also doesn't even mention like the impact that you can have from the actual implants themselves, right? So with every medical procedure, with every surgery, there's a risk. And if you're the one in a thousand person that gets a surgical site infection and then subsequently dies, that's a real impact, right? That's a real measurable thing. It's someone's brother, mother, sister, daughter. And we're doing this not to try to cure disease, we're trying to do this because we think it'll make us better and it probably will
0: so when we take these four variables in context it becomes clear that the mass adoption of human augmentation technologies will be reliant on the the optimization of utility provided by modifications and the minimization of cost risk and social stigma targeting those areas both individually and as a whole will help us continue to uh, that goal of uh, being able to get there, right? So I mean this is something that the industry and the academic worlds will obviously be trying to accomplish, but we believe that the grinder culture will be more disruptive in these areas. Is that peppercon going on
1: over there? <laughs> I can't I don't hear peppercon being chanted. Some new con. Line con, pepper con? Okay. All right. So, to that end, researchers, as us, as researchers, we're very much interested in both watching the field develop, as well as contributing where we can. We humbly propose a few prescriptions that may aid in the community kind of going forward. Um, again, recognizing that um, it's it's one thing to say like, oh, you're a grinder, right? What does that mean? Like, it's a community, right? And we've had pretty limited engagement with that community here, so we're not going to masquerade and say like, oh, we're grinders. Like, none of us have implants. We may have reasons why we don't have implants, but it doesn't mean that we can't also give a little bit of our perspective, which may help. I think which the conversation in the grinder sphere has mostly been that medicine hates this, medicine won't support this. They're not going to help us out because it's pretty whack. Um, insofar as what doctors think, but I think that there are you know definitely physicians that are very interested in this and can help, um, lend expertise because we see you know thousands of patients. We have lots of experience, and that can help. Um, again, also noticing that there's a lot of liability and legal issues with this that may the community may be very resistant to.
0: So to Kwadi's to point, uh, really, it, it's really important that we continue to work closely with each other on these points. Events like this are a huge part of getting like-minded people in the same room, discussing ideas, sharing contact information and really building a huge network of cooperation and collaboration. And that is going to be what gives us that advantage. That the the first island with its resources and technology, uh, you know, will be able to overcome that, and it will be
1: counterbalanced ultimately with the sheer number of folks hacking together that we can bring. Okay, We'll have to really ramp it up here. Uh, so, additionally, the three of us feel very important, uh, very, very passionate about import, importing the open source emphasis from the hacker ethos into this new arena. The in the ethics of gene patenting, for example, a topic which is. Its own talk in and of itself. But when we work with the very fabric of what it makes for us, what makes us human or develop new implants that could save millions of lives, it seems clear that we have to be very thoughtful and motivated by ideals other than greed. Right? The chasm of economic inequality we see persisting in our society could grow to include the elite who have augmentations and those who, who do not. I and mean, What a tragic future that would actually be. So please, let's, let's try to get everyone involved here and really level the playing field.
0: And there's a lot of talks here at DEF CON as well talking about hacking medical devices and if we didn't mention security here at DEF CON we would have screwed up. So it's important to consider that the life cycle of these devices, especially due to their unique aspects, uh, you know, think about the fact that they are uh, generally not easy to install, right? You're not easy to remove or physically access the devices. Depending on the type of devices they could have significant negative health impacts such as illness, infection, paralysis, death. On the implantee, in the event of a compromise, uh, due to their size and placement, storage of software and firmware is limited, and again, access to modify, change, or upgrade that software is extremely limited. Cool.
1: So we're like really close to the end here. Uh, we'll take Q and A probably at the biohacking booth. We really appreciate you coming here. Stick around for the next talk. It's going to be next, stick around for the next talk. It's going to be badass. And I just really wanted to mention: never forget. Uh, it was like. 345 days ago, this asshat sat up, you know, stood up in front of us and lied to us. This is General Alex, uh, G, uh, sorry, General Alexander from the uh, NSA, stood up and said he didn't take, you know, nothing about Prism. He did not take any files on us. Just never forget, this asshole lied to us. Sorry, I just added something. <laughs>
2: Special thanks to the team at the DEF CON Biohacking Village for sharing this recording with us. Now, remember, if you're able to make it out to Las Vegas, Nevada for DEF CON in August 2018, it'll be well worth the trip, but the panels and the topics covers are just a small portion of the action. With the activities and networking available with the other attendees is the true payoff. get more information about uh, Biohacking Village, again, go to villageb.io. That is our new website for this year. So take a look. The schedule is up, and more information about new, uh, exciting new changes this year are on the website now live. So you are loyal listeners. If you'd like to know more about the journey we take weekly, check out the DMP homepage, dangerousminds.io or go to Facebook forward slash Dangerous Minds Podcast, and please keep in mind that uh, events like these are listed on the DMP Google Calendar. And if you have an event that you would like to add to it, please feel free to email us or send it to us on Facebook, and we'll be glad to add it to it. Now, all of us want to thank you uh, for joining us as we explore further the tech and the people behind it within this vastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and implantable technology today. If you will like the programming we share and the work we're doing in the community, please feel free to support us by going to our Patreon page becoming a supporter at www.patreon.com forward slash dangerousminds. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions or comments, and perhaps we might one day talk to you about the work and our projects you're exploring and or developing until next time seek the spark. Land and machine, we like a tapestry of
0: a machine. Land and machine, human mind car and the three. Scientific progression is steamrolling there's no preventing it going ahead. Now we're intrinsically linked with technology biology as we know it is dead.